Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome. This is Religion Today. I'm your host, Martin Tanner. It's Christmas season, and I'm going to recommend something to you that you may find a little bit surprising. If you go to the books of Matthew and Luke, you will find the Christmas story. And that's all wonderful and fabulous because the birth of Christ is what we celebrate at Christmas. I would like to suggest that perhaps in addition to doing that, that you take an hour and a half, which is about what it'll take, maybe a little shorter, a little longer, depending on how fast you read, and read from start to finish, cover to cover, without interruption, the entire gospel of Mark. Why would I suggest that? The reason that I suggest that is because if you do that and read it, especially in a contemporary English version or the Good News Bible version or one of the other new ones that's especially easy to read and understand in modern-day English or even in the King James Bible, you will get the first person account written the very soonest after the life of Jesus. You also get it from the eyes in the first person of the apostle that was apparently closest to and spent the most time with Jesus, and that would be Peter. So what is the gospel of Mark, and why would I recommend it. Well, here are some of the details. First, let's ask, who was Mark? His full name was John Mark. Many people see Mark and they think that's the first name, but John Mark, the author of the Gospel of Mark, was someone who had a Greek father, hence the last name Marcus, which is a Greek name, and a Jewish mother, Miriam or Mary, and so his first name was Johannin, which is a Jewish name, and in modern English, that's John Mark or Johannin Marcus. We learn his full name in Acts chapter 12, verse 25. We know according to Acts chapter 12, verses 12 and 13, that 
John Mark was the son of this wealthy woman named Mary whose home was in Jerusalem. And it was a well-known place where many early Christians met. John Mark was the nephew of the apostle Barnabas, according to Colossians chapter 4, verse 10, and according to Acts chapter 14, verse 14. Tradition tells us that Mark was the guy who was almost arrested with Jesus. The authorities grabbed his robe and pulled it off, and he ran away naked, according to Mark chapter 14, verses 51 and 52. Quite a dramatic exit for John Mark at that particular event. We know that Barnabas and Paul took Mark with him, or with them, on their missions, according to Acts chapter 12, verse 25. They probably took Mark because he would have been both fluent in Hebrew because of his mother and fluent in Greek because of his father. We also know that his uncle Barnabas was a Levite, according to Acts chapter 4, verse 36. So we have this fascinating guy here with an amazing background, both Greek and Aramaic or Jewish, And this made it so that he was particularly adept for any kind of missionary experience. Later, Paul asked Barnabas to go on another mission after their first mission. And Barnabas wanted to take his nephew, but Paul didn't like that idea. They got into an argument over Mark and and split up. You can read about that in Acts chapter 15, verses 37 through 40. So Mark wasn't always in the highest regard in the early days of the church, but he has given us one of the most amazing stories or descriptions of the life of Christ that we have or or will ever have. Somehow, Mark makes things right over this problem with his mission because when Paul writes to the branch in Colossia, which is in present-day Turkey from prison, Mark is there. We read about that in Colossians chapter 4, verse 10. Paul names Mark as a fellow laborer in Colossians 4, verse 24. And he writes to, to Timothy when... He's in just a really bad situation, Paul is. Quote, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he can be really helpful. Close quote. That's in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. So Paul really likes Mark. We learn more about Mark. In the 3rd century, there was a church father named Hippolytus. And in his work entitled On the Seventy Apostles, he said that Mark became Peter's missionary companion and interpreter, and that it was Mark who wrote the gospel, attributed him the gospel of Mark. We also learn that John Mark founded the Christian church branch located in Africa and became bishop of the branch later in Alexandria, Egypt.
we know that Mark wrote the very first gospel because Matthew and Mark and Luke all have identical words, but the additional words are in Matthew and Luke, meaning that they added things to the essential gospel of Mark and maybe modified a few of them in some minor ways. It would be highly unlikely that Mark would somehow um, shorten up something as important as the life of Christ, although there are some scholars who, who believe that. All but 24 of Mark's 661 verses are found in Matthew and Luke. Mark includes details of an eyewitness. And this is the principal reason that I really like the Gospel of Mark and highly recommend it to you for you to read from start to finish as it was intended to understand the life of Christ from the early eyewitnesses. Mark was, as I mentioned before, the companion of Peter. And so what we have in the Gospel of Mark is essentially Peter's Gospel. Mark writes down the story of the events in Jesus' life that Peter himself shared. Here are some examples of the eyewitness and detail and first-person accounts that we find in the Gospel of Mark, but not in the others. Jesus, in Mark chapter 6, verse 3, is the carpenter. In Matthew and Luke, he's the carpenter's son. So this Gospel of Mark focuses on Jesus much more than the others do. In Mark chapter 9, verse 36, where it talks about Jesus holding a child. It doesn't just say like the others do that Jesus held a child. It says that Jesus took the child and held him in the crook of his arm. This is the statement of an eyewitness, something that an eyewitness would know. When we come back from our break, more about the wonderful information contained in the marvelous book of the Gospel of Mark, which I highly recommend that you read during the Christmas season, if time allows. Stay tuned. I'm Martin Tanner. We'll be right back. This is Religion Today. I'm your host, Martin Tanner. If you have a question or comment about this or any other show, be in touch. Send me an email to martinstanner at gmail.com, and I will be happy to respond. And if you have a suggestion for a show, uh, please send it to me. If you have any other question about a gospel issue or some other significant question that you have a concern about, feel free to send me an email as well. martinstanner at gmail.com. I'll be happy to respond. Today, we're talking about the Gospel of Mark, which I hope you'll take the time to read, especially in plain English, 
My favorite is the contemporary English version. The New Revised Standard Version is also fabulous. King James Version is, of course, excellent as well. The Gospel of Mark, to recap for just a minute, was written by a young man who was a member of the church, who was Peter's missionary companion. His name was John Mark. His father was Greek. Their surname was Marcus, and his mother was Jewish. Her name was Miriam, and that was a Jewish name. It's written in first person in many places where the other Gospels are third person. We know that it was written earliest. Some of the early fragments of Mark are very early, just a decade or two after the life of Jesus. Mark is writing essentially what he heard Peter describe about what he saw and heard Jesus say. So, in Mark chapter 1, verse 12, the Spirit drove or led Jesus into the wilderness. And then we also learn about Jesus. I mentioned before holding a child in the crook of his arm in Mark 9, verse 36. We also read in Mark 10, starting in verse 13, that Jesus took the children in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands upon them. These are details we don't find in the other Gospels. We read in Mark chapter 6, Verse 40, that when Jesus fed the 5,000, they sat in groups of 50 and 100. They were arranged much in the way that Moses arranged the children of Israel in the Exodus. More details that lead us to believe Mark was based on the eyewitness account of Peter. In Mark chapter 4, verse 38, before Jesus calms the wind and the sea, he was asleep in the back of the boat. And the writer of this gospel, John Mark, tells us, as only Peter would know, that Jesus' head was on the rower's cushion. The one who rowed the boat would sit on a cushion, and Jesus had fallen asleep. His head was on the rower's cushion. Mark describes Jesus as emotional in ways that the other gospel writers are either a bit uncomfortable doing or would like to reel back just a little bit. This is also a ring of authenticity. This is what this is what Peter saw and what he heard and what he experienced. Jesus sighed or groaned deeply in his spirit. In other words, he had great compassion. He felt sorry for someone. He had compassion for them. In Mark chapter 7, verse 34, and again in Mark chapter 8, verse 12. In Matthew and Luke, we read that Jesus just decided not to do miracles in Nazareth because of the unbelief of the people. But Mark says it a little bit differently. Whether accurate or not, this would certainly be the earliest gospel. No one would write this after reading 
Matthew and Luke's account, it says that Jesus in Mark 6, 5 couldn't do miracles in Nazareth except heal a few people. Why? Because of the unbelief of the people. Apparently, the other gospel writers were a little bit squirmish about saying Jesus couldn't do something. Jesus, in Mark 6, 6, marveled at the unbelief of the people. That's a little different than the way it's described in the other gospels, because to the other gospel writers, Jesus wouldn't be surprised or marvel at something. He would already know it. In Mark chapter 3, verse 5, and again in Mark chapter 8, verse 33, and again in Mark chapter 10, verse 14, Jesus is angry. And Mark has no problem describe him as being angry at certain appropriate things. This is not quite the way that we read Jesus and his personality in Matthew and Luke. Also, we know that Mark was written earlier because of the writing style. It dates to earlier. And because it's written in the present tense, as an eyewitness would tell the story. Mark chapter 2, verse 17, in the original Greek, says, in essence, and when Jesus hears it, he says to them, Those who are strong don't need a doctor, but those who are sick. It's a first-person, present-tense account. We see that again in the exact words that Jesus spoke in Mark chapter 5, verse 41, where Jesus tells Jairus' daughter, Talitha Kumai, which is little girl, Get up, stand up. He just commands her to, to sit up, to get up. And he says to the deaf man, the one who has a speech impediment, Jesus tells him, open up. He also tells our Father in heaven in Mark chapter 14, verse 36. He, he approaches him as Abba, Father, which is the, the quote, but Abba means daddy. In Mark, Jesus calls his father daddy. We have these incredible descriptions in Mark that are first-person accounts, amazing events. In Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 13, we read this phrase, this is the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written. God said, I will send my messenger ahead of you to open the way for you. Someone is shouting in the desert, get the road ready for the Lord. Make a straight path for him to travel. And of course, that happens. John the Baptist does that. We have this fascinating first-person account of God's own voice in Mark, where instead of God speaking to the crowd, saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, in Mark, God is speaking directly to Jesus. God says, 
I love you, my dear son. I am so pleased with you. That to me is is absolutely amazing. If you take the time to read the Gospel of Mark, particularly in a plain English version, contemporary English version, New Revised Standard Version, the Gospels will come alive. The experience of what the eyewitnesses to Jesus' life heard and experienced will be open to you in ways that you have probably not before experienced. I highly recommend it that during this Christmas season, you don't just read about Jesus' birth, but also about the things that he did during his life. Merry Christmas to all. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. Join me again next week. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson. And unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.